Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Let's uh, let's get in the Word. Y'all grab your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15. says so be careful how you live don't live like fools but like those who are wise make the most of every opportunity in these evil days don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the Lord wants you to do don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life instead be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, would you add your anointing, your understanding to the reading and the hearing of your word. And Lord, I pray that you help us not just to be hearers today, not even just understanders of your word, the doers help us to put it into practice in our lives in Jesus name amen amen the word said make the most of every opportunity that's what it says Um, how many opportunities do we have well there's 86,400 seconds in today there's 7 days every week Or for the purposes of this series, how many hours are there each week? 168 hours a week. Every moment we're alive and breathing is an opportunity to make a difference for the cause of Christ. And this passage tells us every one of us has something we're supposed to be doing. Every one of us has something that God wants us to do. We have to find out what that is and start doing it. But listen, whatever it is that he wants you to do is not going to be contained to the one hour a week that we're in church together. What God wants you to do, what God wants me to do is bigger than the one hour or the hour and a half or whatever that we're together every week. We have to live thoughtfully and wisely, not foolishly. We have to come together 
corporately. We have to worship God. We have to learn the Word. We have to be filled with the Spirit. When we do those things, when we make those things the things in our lives, when we make His kingdom work the priority in our lives, then we can be Covenant Life 168, a church that moves the needle on the kingdom of God every hour of every week, 168 hours a week, not just the one hour that we're together on Sundays, all right? So today I want to go back and I want to focus on one phrase, one phrase from that passage, be filled with the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say this, y'all keep breathing, just please relax, Uh, we're just going to read the Bible and we're going to talk about it, okay? Um, there's so much tension uh, sometimes in a Pentecostal church when, when, you, when you say you're going to talk about the Holy Spirit because there's so much misunderstanding about him. And I said him and not it, okay? Him. There's so much blamed on him that he had nothing to do with. So, so much pressure for some sort of some manifestation or to generate some specific kind of response, and it just gets all confused and crowded. That's not what we're doing today. Today, what we're doing is getting down to the person and the purpose of the Holy Spirit so that we can understand why we're encouraged so often in Scripture to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's right here in black and white and sometimes even red. You can't just ignore it just because it makes you uncomfortable or because it's complicated in your history. We have to deal with it honestly and sincerely and figure out what it means to our lives. And in the context of this series, figure out what it means in the life of a 168-hour-a-week church. Now, I'm going to go ahead and give you the big picture of the message um, so that you can understand the message title and so you kind of know which way we're going so you can kind of feel better about what we're doing. The person and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives can be boiled down to this, power. Power. What kind of church is going to be a 168-hour-a-week church? Today's message answers that question, and here's the title, an empowered church. An empowered church. We've got to give the Holy Spirit free reign in our lives. We have to take the brakes off of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Why does kingdom work require an empowered church? Why, do, why does it have to be an empowered church? A friend of mine sent me this scripture this morning, right out of the blue, uh, and it just fits perfectly right here. It answers this question. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 20. Did y'all get that? Oh, look at there. Okay. So, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. The kingdom of God is not a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. The kingdom of God is not about coming together and talking about stuff. It's a lifestyle. A 168-hour-a-week proposition characterized by his people operating in his power. We have to be an empowered church. That was the plan from the beginning. Let's look at Matthew chapter 3. Verses 11 and 12. Matthew 3, 11 and 12. Uh, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But This is John the Baptist speaking. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit 
and with fire. He's ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. He'll clean up the threshing area, gather the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Jesus is beginning his public ministry right here. And we're already talking about the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, as a matter of fact. And, and incidentally, this is why we talk about surrendering to the Holy Spirit as a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because that's what John the Baptist called it. And later, that's what Jesus calls it as well. A baptism, an immersion in the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Luke 24. Luke 24 and 49. And now I will send, this is Jesus talking, I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you, look, with power from heaven. With power from heaven. Now, the chronology is a little hard to determine because pieces of it are in different Gospels, but Jesus said this either right before or right after he gave the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples. It was the overarching focus of the rest of their lives. That's what they were supposed to do, and that's what we're supposed to do as well. But look at what he said in that scripture. They were not to go immediately. Listen, I, when, when I tell you to do something, I like it done. Like, let's get on it. Right? That's the way it works at my house. I want it done. Jesus said, here's what you're supposed to do, but don't go do it yet. Don't go do it yet. What were they supposed to do? Go wait in Jerusalem. He said, go to the city and wait for the Holy Spirit. And what was the reason that Jesus told them to wait for the Holy Spirit? So they could receive power from heaven. That's what the scripture says. Power to do the work that he had just given them to do. Now, you see that? Power. Power is what Jesus said was the purpose for the Holy Spirit. And the only reason that it would make sense for them to wait before they go and get started on the work of the kingdom. Why did they need to wait? Because they needed the power to do it. Let's keep reading. Y'all okay? Everybody still breathing? All right. We need to do a pulse check for our neighbors. Everybody okay? All right. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 verses 4 and 5. Once when he, Jesus, was eating with them, he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift I promised as I told you before. Look at verse 5. Can we look at verse 5? I know there is a verse 5. Sometimes I do make up scriptures. There it is. John, Jesus is still talking. John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to look at verse 8 as well because Jesus continues the conversation. He addresses a, a question in verses 6 and 7. And then verse 8, can we go over there? Nailed it. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Listen, you don't have to be a theologian, and I'm not. But you don't have to be a theologian to draw this conclusion. Jesus wants an empowered church. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. He, he had already told them to go be witnesses. Now he's promising them the power to do that. And it was fulfilled 10 days later at the day of Pentecost. You say, well, there you go, John. And once the day of Pentecost happens, we all have the Holy Spirit when we get saved. And, and that's true in one sense. I want to show it to you in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Romans 8 
In verse 9, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And look at this parenthetical. This is what we need to focus on. Remember those of you who don't have the Spirit of Christ living in you, don't belong to him at all. If you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, then you're not saved. And, And so we can sort of flip that around as well. If you are saved, truly saved, then you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Okay? If you don't have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, then you don't belong to Christ. So yes, all believers have the Holy Spirit when they get saved. But but here's why we're talking about this today. Even though that's true, if we take that as a given, if you want to look at this as a as a, a geometric proof, you take that as a given. The Holy Spirit, the, the New Testament, sorry, still talks about being filled with the Spirit over and over again. It still talks about being baptized in the Spirit over and over again. If we have everything that we need when we get saved, why would he continue, why would they continue to tell us to be filled with the Spirit? In Acts chapter 8, Philip the evangelist goes to Samaria and preaches Jesus and a whole ton of people get saved. And then it says Peter and John go to Samaria as a follow-up to Peter the evangelist, to Philip the evangelist's Um, uh, ministry, and they go to make sure that those folks are baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's in your Bible, Acts 8, just read it. Acts 19, Paul uh, encounters some believers, the Bible calls them believers, and, and he just point blank asks them, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit since you believed, since you got saved? And, and, and then right here in uh, Ephesians 6, or Ephesians 5 in our foundational scripture, he, he, this is decades after the day of Pentecost, the Apostle Paul is urging these believers in Ephesus to be filled with the Spirit. And it's clear he's not talking about salvation. Now, so, so John, help me understand this. How does this work? Well, I think I can help you understand this in Ezekiel 37. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. It kind of takes up the whole chapter. Ezekiel 37. John, why are you giving us references but you're not reading it? Because I want you to read it for yourself. I don't want you. I'm not making stuff up. We're just reading the Bible and talking about it. Okay? You need to be convinced of this for yourself. This is Ezekiel 37. The prophet sees a river. A river that that heals and brings life to everything it touches. As a matter of fact, it flows down to the Dead Sea and it will bring the Dead Sea to life. That's prophetic. That will happen in the future. It brings fruit. It brings freshness. It sounds a lot like the living water that Jesus talked about when he, was, he said rivers of living water would flow from your belly that when he was talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, this river is a type or an analogy not only of the Holy Spirit's work in us, but of our relationship with him. Ezekiel sees that there are different depths in the river. It's shallow at the edges. He said just up to your ankles. Then then as you keep going, it gets up to your knees. As you keep walking out towards the center of it, it, it gets up to your waist. And then finally, he finds that the water is too deep to keep walking through it's over your head. All you can do is swim in it. Do you know they swam in the Bible? Y'all okay with Are y'all okay? Is that a, a life-changing revelation right there? Ezekiel said, all you can do is swim in this water. It's too deep to walk through. It's too deep to stand in. It's way, way over your head. Now, uh, here's, here's, what's the analogy here? Well, I think everyone who comes to Jesus, 
is standing in that ankle-deep water. Right? We all, we, we're in the river. We, we have the Holy Spirit. But what makes the difference in the person who's standing in the ankle-deep water and the person who's in the water over their head? It's surrender. The difference is surrender. The question is how much are you willing to give up control? You lose the ability. The, the, the prophet said, once you get out there, you can't keep walking. You can't stand. It's just there's no way. You lose the ability to stand and walk in that deep water. So how much are you willing to surrender to the flow of the river? Do you know who has the hardest time learning to swim? Control freaks. Isn't that right? I'm just on my regular old water now so y'all can say yes. Control freaks have a hard time learning to swim. I can testify to that. I don't particularly like the water. It's just so wet. I just, I just don't like it. So when, I swim, when, I, <laughs> when I have to swim, um, which is usually only when I'm being chased by a shark or assume I am, when I have to swim, it looks like I'm mad at the water. It, <laughs> that's, that's hurtful, but okay. It, it looks like I'm mad at the water. It, it looks like I'm fighting the water for control because that's pretty much what I'm doing, okay? You know who has the hardest time with the doctrine of the Holy Spirit? Yep. Control freaks. Again, guilty. Control freaks. Listen to me. Uh, fellow recovering control freaks. There is no way for you to control your way into effectiveness for the kingdom. Now, John, how did you ever get yourself to the point where you, could, where you could be filled with the Spirit, where you could receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because I loved God enough and I finally recognized in the Word and in myself that I was never going to be able to fulfill what He's calling me to do without surrendering myself to His Spirit. You cannot control your way to effectiveness in the kingdom. You can't stay in the ankle-deep water or the knee-deep water and accomplish what God has for you to accomplish. Didn't it just say there is something that God has for each one of you? You're not going to be able to accomplish it in the ankle-deep water. God's been working on my stubborn self for decades. And I'm learning that he's able to accomplish more from my surrender than with my help. I give him good plans, y'all. It's good. And he's just like, hey, thanks. Throws it away and then gives me the real plan. Why? Because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And it's not even a contest. And if the river is flowing in the direction of the will of God, you're going to get there a whole lot faster and a whole lot easier if you just dive in and let the current take you there than if you're running with all your might through the ankle-deep water. You ever try to run in water? That's not effective. It's not effective. Swimming with the current of the Spirit is about working with the water, not fighting against it. It's about surrender. It's surrender. Jesus wants you immersed in the Holy Spirit, baptized. And that's inside and out. Saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. 
or from last week's message, washed, mended, and obedient to his spirit. That's the biblical prescription for a 168-hour-a-week church, a powerful church. And listen, and it's, he said, be filled with the Spirit. And it's not a one-time experience. The verb that's translated filled literally means continuously filled. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. What's a, what's a Spirit-filled life about? Well, it's not about checking a box. It's not about having a one-time event or experience in your life. It's a lifetime of surrender. It's a lifetime of surrender. Unfortunately, in the American church, and even in the American Pentecostal church, especially really in the American Pentecostal church, we see the baptism of the Holy Spirit as optional. Why? Well, remember just a couple of weeks ago, um, we talked about the way we do invitations to be saved in, in, the, in the church in America now. In the Bible, they called people to repentance because they were sinners and Jesus was the sacrifice for their sins. And there was this assumption, it was not just implied, it was a stated fact that when they accept his sacrifice for their sins, then they were expected to go and tell others about this wonderful gift of salvation that Jesus offers to all people because all people are sinners. Amen. Biblically, that's, that, isn't that salvation in the Bible? Amen. What do we do today? We invite people to pray the prayer so they can go to heaven. And that's pretty much it. Amen. There's no sense that they should tell anybody about it. There's no sense that there are any expectations on, uh, on people after we get saved. There's no counting the cost like Jesus said. There's no carrying the cross like Jesus said. Do you notice that when you get further and further away from the salvation that Jesus described himself, you're probably in trouble. What do we do now? Just pray the magic prayer and you're in. Sign the card, shake the hand, join the church, whatever it is that we've substituted for real biblical salvation. And here's why that's a death knell for the principle, for the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just the idea, for the reality of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's why that's a problem. Because you don't need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. Y'all okay? <laughs> you don't have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. Why did Jesus say you need to be baptized in the Spirit? Power. Power to be witnesses. Power for carrying your cross. Power for a life of service. But if there's no expectation that you're ever going to be a witness, if there's no kingdom work for you to be involved in, if getting saved is about Jesus helping you achieve your dreams and make your dreams come true and reach your goals and give you your best life, you don't need the Holy Spirit for that. But if you plan to live on this earth and actually do what Jesus said, let's, let's, don't, let's don't get in too big of a hurry here. And you don't, please don't say this out loud. This is something you have to answer in yourself. Do you plan to do what God told you to do? That's a question you have to answer. Does God have a plan for me, and do I plan to actually carry it out? Which is, he said, go make disciples. That's for everybody. So if you plan to fulfill the mission that God gave you for this earth, if you plan to find out what it is that he created you to do, 
If you plan to maximize every opportunity to advance the kingdom of God, then Jesus said, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let me put it this way. You don't need, you don't need the Holy Spirit to die and go to heaven. You need the Holy Spirit to live and go make disciples. You don't need the Holy Spirit to die and go to heaven. Jesus paid that all. You need the Holy Spirit to live and go make disciples. Holy Spirit baptism is, has been presented as, this, uh, as an upgrade. <laughs> right? It's an upgrade. It's for advanced, super spiritual people. It's the secret class that they don't tell you about. Right? It's like the secret menu. You order stuff that is not on the menu, but like the insiders know about it. That's the way we present this. It's, it's for staff and elders. It's, it's for church leaders. You know why? You know why we do that in church now? Because we've fallen for the lie that the work of the ministry is supposed to be done by the professionals. We got no problem with spirit-filled believers because we think, "Whoa, bless their hearts, they're going to need it to do all this work." But we saw last week in Ephesians four. It says the church leader's job, the fivefold ministry, the purpose of the fivefold ministry is not for doing the work of the ministry, but for what? Equipping you, the body of Christ, to do the work of the ministry, to empower them, to enable them, to mend them, to repair and restore them, to do the work of the ministry. So all I'm saying is, ladies, gentlemen, if you believe the work of the ministry is to be carried out by the body of Christ then you have to believe that you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit just like your church leaders. It's not optional. It's not an upgrade. It's not for the professionals. It's not for the super spiritual people. Every believer who intends to work in the kingdom and be obedient to Christ needs to surrender more and more and more of themselves to the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not in words. Isn't that what it said? It's not in words. We're not just gathering around talking about it. It's in spirit-empowered action. We have to dive into the river. We've got to dive in the river. How are you going to be mended for ministry? Holy Spirit is power for healing. How are you going to be washed and sanctified? Holy Spirit is power for purity. How are you going to be equipped to do the work of the ministry? Holy Spirit is power for service. How are you going to start? How are you going to learn to think like Christ? Is put on the mind of Christ. How is that going to happen? Holy Spirit is our counselor. How are you going to get past the fear? Even Timothy, Paul had to tell Timothy, listen, we haven't given, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Quit being afraid to go do the work of the Lord. How do you get over that fear? Holy Spirit is our comforter. How are you going to get this lifelong passion for service? Spirit baptism is a baptism of fire. Isn't that what John the Baptist said? He'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. And, and, and God is a consuming Fire. He will light a fire in you that will not just burn you up and you're gone, but it'll be a slow burning ember that'll keep you hot for the rest of your life, hot after the things of God. 
Everything you need for kingdom effectiveness, everything we need to be a 168-hour-a-week church is found in the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to be an empowered church. And that doesn't mean that our doctrine should reflect that we believe in that power because it already does. It has to be expressed in the reality of our church. It means the people of the church have to be spirit-empowered people. Spirit-empowered doctrine on a page doesn't change anything. You realize that even the Great Commission was given in the context of, um, of power? Now, let me set this up for you so, you so you understand all the little threads that are contained. We're going to go to Matthew 28 here in just a second. I want to I show you a couple of things that Jesus said on the last night of his life, uh, John 14. So like he's, they've had the Last Supper, and they're on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus is like cramming everything, <laughs> everything he can into them on the trip over there. And so John 14, 16, 17, he says, And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. Because Jesus is like, hey, I'm gone. I'm leaving tonight um, and, and, or tomorrow. So I, I, I'm going to leave you, but I'm, I'm going to ask the Father to give you an advocate who's not going to leave you. And then he identifies him in the next verse, the first half of the next verse. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into truth. He said, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit who's not ever going to leave you. And then John 15, verses 26 and 27. John 15, 26 and 27. Again, Jesus says, but I'm going to send you the advocate, the spirit of truth, and he'll come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And then he says, and you have to testify about me too because you've been with me from the beginning of the ministry. And then Matthew 28, here's the Great Commission. Matthew 28, but it's not just the one verse. Don't just look at verse 19. Look at verse 18 and verse 20 as well. Jesus came to his disciples and he said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Because I've got that authority, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That word, therefore, connects it to, what's, to the idea that came before it. And then verse 20, it says, teach them to obey the, the commands that I've given. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How is Jesus going to be with them when he just said he's leaving? Let me try to put it this way. Jesus gathered, gathered them together and said, guys, listen, I'm going away. You have to testify about me to the whole world. You have to be my witnesses. But I'm going to give you power because now I've got all authority. I can do what I want to because I've got all the authority. So go make disciples of everybody. And here, I'm promising you this, I'll be with you the whole time. I'm going to be with you through the Holy Spirit. You go to Jerusalem and receive, you wait on the Spirit, go receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and then get busy to do what I've called you to do. You see that? The vision and the provision are all in the same passage. Holy Spirit was part of the equation from the very beginning. Jesus never envisioned a great commission church a 168-hour-a-week church that was not empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
It was just never part of the plan. He, he never, it ain't like he couldn't think of it. He just didn't. That wasn't his deal. He had the plan. He gave them the plan. It was a plan for the church to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit while he was on the earth too. He was baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit at the same time. I want to show it to you in Luke chapter 3. Luke 3, verses 21 and 22. So I'm going to read for 21, 22, and then 23 through the end of that chapter goes into a genealogy, all the people that Jesus was related to, and then it picks up the, the, the account again at chapter 4 and verse 1. All right, but So I want you to know I'm skipping a chunk of the end of chapter 3 uh, just so I, for continuity's sake. So Luke chapter 3, verses 21, 22. Luke 3, 21 and 22. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. This is baptized in water by John the Baptist at the Jordan River. As he was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him or upon him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you're my dearly beloved son, and you bring me great joy. This was the beginning of Jesus' public ministry when he was 30 years old. Now, we're going all the way to uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. When did he get full of the Holy Spirit? Right there in the, Holy, in the Jordan River. He was baptized in water and the Holy Spirit at the same time. Jesus was this um, unique combination of divinity and humanity. You might have heard, heard people say he was fully God and fully man. His divine side was always fully God. At this baptism, his human side became full of God because he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Here's the obvious question. If Jesus thought it was important to be baptized in the Holy Spirit when he was on the earth to carry out the work of the Father, how do we think we're going to do it without the power of the Holy Spirit? If we're going to be a 168-hour-a-week church, we have to be an empowered church. He said, John, we keep praying. We keep asking God to send us in the, 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 the sinners, send us in the people nobody else wants. Why, why isn't he doing that? It might be because we don't have the power to show them how to be set free. We don't have the power to pray them through. We don't have the power to set their feet on the solid rock and show them how to follow him. We have to be, and we have the best heart in the world, the most grace. I tell people about us all the time that God has just given you guys so much grace and love and acceptance for people, but we also have to be empowered to show them how to change, how to get the help they need, how to, how to meet Jesus and live for him. So, John, what, what, do we, what do we do to be that empowered church? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, how does that happen? Same way it happened on the day of Pentecost. Pray and surrender. Well, how do you get in the deep part of the river? How do you get to the deep part of the river? Well, you wade into the water. You surrender to it, and you let it do what it wants. Right? We're talking about water. You cooperate with it. You don't fight it. 
It's the same with the Spirit. How do we get deeper with the Holy Spirit? You cooperate with Him. You surrender to Him. You stop fighting Him for control. Listen to what He says and say it. Watch what He does and go do it. Let Him challenge you. Let Him change you. Say, John, how do I start? You ask. You just tell him you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You just tell him you want to be baptized with power to go do what he's created you to do. You say, John, I already did that. 1987, I did that. Well, that's fantastic. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you surrendered yourself to the Holy Spirit? Because it's a continual filling. It's not an event. It's not part of your spiritual resume. It's a lifestyle. Here's what I've noticed over the years. I, I accumulate stuff. So let me challenge you. Ask him to fill you again. Ask him to refresh you and renew you and mend you and equip you. Ask him to convict you of the things that you've gotten accustomed to. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. I really regret that it has become such a sensitive issue in the church. I really do. I was born into a Pentecostal church, an Assemblies of God church. Um, we were seven. I think I was seven. We weren't seven. I was seven. Preachers always talk like they got a mouse in their pocket. Um, I was seven when we left that church and started into a little Baptist church up the road that honestly was more spiritually minded than the Pentecostal church was that we left. So I had parents who'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit who believed in that doctrine, but we're going to a church that that didn't believe it, didn't teach it, and in some cases, depending on the pastor, taught against it. So I had this always this war inside of me. And I'm going to be honest with you. I went to church a lot of times, especially during revivals, or especially if we went to another church for revival, which was all the time. Um, I, I usually went scared to death. I was afraid I was going to give a message in tongues in whatever little Baptist church we were going in. Because in my mind, that was the Holy Spirit. That was it. So I just knew, I knew good and well, God was going to ask me to give a message in tongues in this Baptist church, and I was going to get beat up and thrown out all at the same time. I was terrified. We have such a shallow understanding of what the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is. And we have, we, we're so skewed in our understanding and our belief that we've, it, it's, I think it's the greatest, it's the greatest um, threat to the effectiveness of the church. And all you have to do is look around and see. I think it's the greatest lie that the enemy has ever perpetrated is to get believers to think that the Holy Spirit is someone to be scared of. Somehow we've divided the Trinity so that Father and Son are all good. The Holy Spirit is the wacko cousin that we need to avoid. And that's the way we act. If you love the Father and you love the Son, you automatically love the Holy Spirit because they're the same. 
okay? He, so next week we're going to talk about giftedness. The next week we're going to talk about fruitfulness because with, with an empowered a per, a church that's empowered by the Holy Spirit, a church that's on, that's on point 168 hours a week, he wants to use gifts. He wants to use fruit in order to accomplish his kingdom purposes. And please don't get so hyper-focused on one gift that has a purpose don't get so hyper-focused on one gift that we throw the whole thing out. We simply cannot do what he's called us to do without being filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to decide in yourself whether or not what I preach today is, is the, the truth. And if you need time to go search scriptures, then take all the time you need and search the scriptures. You need to be hundred. You need to be hundred percent convinced that this is the will of God for you. And when when you are convinced, and I believe that when you read the scriptures honestly and openly, and you ask the Spirit to show you the truth about Himself, that you will come to recognize that, that what I preach this morning is true. And when that happens, and you start to ask the Holy Spirit for, to, to fill you with himself then, or ask Jesus to fill you with the Holy Spirit then, then you can start wading in if you're in ankle deep water you can get to knee deep if you're in knee deep water you can go out to your waist you can take it as slow as you want to and start walking out towards the middle or you can do what some people do and they go to a bridge and dive in right you can just dive in and swim out to the middle and just be over your head. So which one does God prefer? Listen, if you're headed to more and more of him, I think he's cool with it. Do you like your kids running to you or walking and toddling to you? I don't really care as long as they're coming. Okay, so don't be overwhelmed. Don't be intimidated by some expectation of man. I'm just telling you, we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. All of us. All of us. I've had people tell me in the last few years, John, I've just, I've just loved watching you and seeing the change. I just I see Holy Spirit all over you. And, all, and that's great, and I appreciate the encouragement because Lord knows it's hard to do that sometimes, to surrender and to give up, especially for a control freak. But here, let me, let me tell you this. He's only, I had to go first. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. I want us to pray. I, I want us to pray right here. And I want you to stay in your seat. There are, are scripture, and I talked with, with friends this week, and, and um, the suggestion was because in scripture, the apostles just laid their hands on people and they received the Holy Spirit. I am perfectly fine with doing that if that's something that you're interested in. But, but, simply as a show of integrity because I told you this is going to be a different kind of message I just want you to pray right where you are if you want, if you want to come down and pray I'll, I'll be happy to pray with you about something but I just want you to close your eyes bow your heads and just do business with the Lord like now close your eyes <laughs> bow your heads talk to your father
prayed in the last night of his life in the Garden of Gethsemane or on the way. Jesus said, Lord, sanctify them with your truth. Set them apart. Make them different with your truth. Then he said, your word is truth. Lord, I pray that the truth of your word that you led me to speak today will sanctify us, will set us apart, will make us different. And that as we believe your truth, And as we put it into practice, that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit. You'll baptize us in your spirit. You'll empower us with power from heaven. God, that we will will see the change in our hearts. We'll see the change in our lives. We'll, uh, We'll notice the change in ourselves. Make us us a church that pleases you, a church that loves you, a church that knows you, a church that's committed to doing the work of the ministry, who is equipped and mended, empowered to do what it is you've called us to. that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.